Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Amber Furman, and this is episode 32 of the More Than Corporate podcast. I am super excited for this week's episode with Christy Cronin, who is a cardiology nurse practitioner with six years experience as a primary care nurse practitioner. She has been a nurse for 11 years total. She is the author of several journal articles published in the Nurse Practitioner Journal and will be releasing her first nonfiction book called Black Balloons in early 2020. She is a dedicated wife and mama to two kids and believes wholeheartedly that we were meant to live in a life of freedom and strive to live to our fullest potential. I first connected with Christy through a Facebook group online called Build Your Network with Travis Chapel. If you're not in that group, you should go check it out. I've met so many amazing people there. And we really connected and talked about everything from the stress of Um, working in nursing and legal fields through writing her book and those ideas. And I knew from her energy that I wanted to bring her on the podcast to talk to all of you. I am super, super excited to get into the interview. Before we do that, I wanted to take a minute to ask you to do me a huge favor. If you haven't already headed over to iTunes and left a rating and review, I would greatly appreciate any feedback that you have. My goal in this podcast is to bring you as much value as possible and your feedback really helps in being able to create content and schedule guests that are interesting and valuable to you. Thank you in advance for taking the time to head over and check that out and leave a rating and review. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the interview with Christy. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. So for people who don't know Christy, um, we connected in this online um, networking group that's full of fantastic individuals called Build Your Network. And ever since then, you know, we've had a couple times to talk and I just love everything about her energy. So I wanted to bring her on to talk to you guys. Um, why don't we go ahead and start with what it was like for you growing up? What was it like 10, 11-ish when you were a kid? All right. So 10, 11, we'll go back a little bit. And that's, um, and when we go back to this, it's interesting because I have a lot of really wonderful memories from childhood. I have a lot of things that were awesome and great, but um, it's also rooted in a lot of pain and things that were struggles and kind of walking through my parents' divorce was at the forefront. I think during that time, it kind of all started when I was eight. So around then we were still settling from all of that which kind of morphed into my mom dating and being now with her now husband um, at the time, not the easiest, but it did bring my brother and sister into my life and my stepdad who are some of the most amazing people I could imagine doing life with. So um, I do look back at that and realize that I'm grateful for things. And I have this family that I was always meant to have, but didn't know then. So that's amazing. So did you have, uh, were you an only child before your mom got remarried? I was, I was an only child. Oh my gosh. So it was like Insta family for you. What was that like? Um, I wasn't nice about it originally. (laughs) (laughs) So it was definitely, um, 
a whole shift. And I always kind of felt like even at that age, you know, when you're 10, 11 too, you're, you're figuring things out and we're, I feel like at the forefront, you can feel left out really easily. So I felt like my brother and sister had each other and my stepdad and my mom had each other. And I was kind of this like lone wolf trying to figure out where I fit in. So it took me a little while to get past all of that. But as we've grown and have gone through things together, I realized that I do fit and it was always meant to be. And I now have such a great relationship with my brother and sister and I, they, I consider them blood. I don't know if you'll be able to answer this. It's kind of a hard question as I, as I think about it. But when you were young, if you think back to that point, was there something particular that you turned to when you felt so alone that made you, um, like what were your resources when you were that young trying to find your place in the world? I think I really struggled with that. And I'd, I'd like to say that it was like faith or leaning towards things that were positive, but it wasn't. I kind of pushed away from all of that at that point. And it did, it kind of led into some depression in my teenage years. Um, and kind of going through that, not realizing what was driving it in the teenagers, thinking like, well, everything seems good. I have a lot of friends. I, you know, enjoy the activities I'm involved in. Um, at that point, family life was, was good, but I still was struggling with all of that hurt from what I was going through as an eight-year-old. Um, well, and I, I think it's so interesting that you say that too, because growing up and having any type of depression type stuff, especially when we grew up, like now I feel like it's a little bit different. It's still difficult to talk about, but when yeah. we grew up, like you didn't talk about it. And if you do, if you did talk about it, the first thing that anybody wanted to do was like diagnose you and put a label on you rather yep. than doing like feelings. So as far as um, the depression that you were feeling when you came up through um, your teenage years, did you ever talk to anybody about that or did you just kind of keep it inside? I kept it in a lot. Um, my mom knew cause she was having to watch it and watch it play out in, you know, behind closed doors. And I, I remember too, like a situation with, um, her and my dad and him kind of saying to her, like, we just need to be praying for her. Like she, she needs Jesus. We need to be praying for her. And I agree with all of that. However, I needed more than that. I needed counseling. I needed to be helped and I needed to get to a place where I could start accepting things like that. And I was not in that place at that time. And I think that that's an important point to make. Like you're saying, like these days, do, I do think it's better. I still think we have a long way to go with it. I think it's talked about more, but for sure during that time, I felt very alone. I didn't think any of my friends were struggling with those feelings. And were your parents um, kind of in that camp of let's talk about it therapy type thing, or were they in the camp of like, we don't need this type of therapy structured help in our life. Yep. So mom was supportive. Dad was like, she kind of, she needs to move past this type Got thing. Mm -hmm. um, so as far as school was concerned, like, did you always, cause you work in the nursing field. So you obviously mm -hmm. moved on to college and we'll get to that in just a little bit, but <laughs> did you always know you wanted to go to college? And if so, like, how did this play into your decision-making process? Yeah. So I think I got a lot of, um, I started equating achievements with success. So those things were what I would think would make my parents proud and things that would make me happy, all of that. Um, and I did always want to go to college. The dream of becoming a nurse came on pretty early in my life. 
Um, and it was something that always seemed obtainable. So I did start working towards that at a young age and kind of was in high school knowing that that was going to be the goal to go to college and become a nurse. That's awesome. That's um, interesting to have that come on so early. Was there some particular event that made you realize you wanted to be a nurse? Yeah, I come, I come from a family of medical professionals. <laughs> so okay. it was something that was always kind of at the forefront for us. And I took a strong interest into the human body at a young age and kind of science and what makes things work. And I remember being in the hospital um, as a kid, like at seven, um, and really remembering the nurses and how they treated me and kind of what they were doing and being really interested in what that role was like. So I kind of always thought I would end up somewhere in the medical field. That's awesome. Um, so how... Um, what was the transition like for you from high school into then college? And were you still dealing with some of these feelings of depression or had you dealt with it at that point? No, I was still dealing with it. It was like actually at its peak between like 17 and 19. So okay. yeah, in college is a really difficult transition for all of that um, because you're dealing with a whole new realm of acceptance and people and where you fit into things. Um, so it was definitely heightened um, going into the college environment. Um, and I definitely didn't resort to healthy behaviors with a lot of it too. So it wasn't handled in, in the best way. And it took time. It took finally letting some people in to start handling things in a much healthier way. Yeah. And, you know, we were just talking about this before we got started a little bit about how it's amazing how our brains know when you're ready to accept that help because it's very likely that had anybody really tried to push you before that you may not have been ready to accept the help. And then when you were all of a sudden, like these resources became available to you. Yeah. I think we reject it at times, you know, when we're not ready for it and we start to shut it down or be like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not like what you're seeing isn't really there, like those sorts of things. We start kind of pushing it away when we're not ready. You know, we're going to jump ahead just a little bit because I'm, I'm curious. You, you have your book that we're going to talk about in a minute and you have like these big goals that we've discussed that I'm going to let you talk about. But um, this entrepreneurial idea of writing and doing this, was that, was there, um, were, you, were you brought up that way or was that something that you gained after college or through college? When did that really become a spark for you? So no, I have always kind of taken the traditional path. Like you're going to go to school. I was always told, you know, by my mom, which I think it's good that she instilled this in me, that you always need to be able to take care of yourself, never rely on a man or rely on somebody else for your money and for um, success in that realm. Make sure that you're able to hold your own. So that was instilled at a really young age. To me, coming from a family who is very involved in the medical field, it really just seemed the right thing to do, that you follow that path. You go to college, you get your degree, you work hard at that, and then you have a steady career and that's what you do. So the entrepreneurial thing is like way off the grid at that point. Yeah. I feel you there as well as, you know, with, with family. Like when I look back now, I can see instances of business ownership or entrepreneurialism in my past, but it was never really talked about the way that it is now. And I was very similar to you in the, like, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I needed to go to college because that's just the way life worked. And so we'd figure it out later. The idea of entrepreneurism never came to my mind. So I was curious to see what that was like for you. Yeah. I think I relate to you in that way where you look back and you're like, 
maybe I had the itch in me because I, I did try things like the, when I was in grad school, I was like, oh, maybe I can do a little acting or like some print modeling on the side to make some extra money for books. So I started doing a little bit of that. I always looked for ways to make money in a different way. Um, but I would never fully commit to something like that. Like that just seemed too crazy or too off the grid. It wasn't safe, like those sorts of things. So I always stuck to the traditional. Yeah, absolutely. And is your family all still in the medical field or have they moved on to other things too? No, we're all mainly medicine. My sister's a nurse practitioner. My cousin is a neuro ICU nurse. My uncle's a doctor. My mom just retired as an ultrasound technologist. So we all kind of are still in that, that realm. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, you have a book that you're working on. Um, has, it has not been published yet, correct? You're working on the cover right now? Correct. Correct. Right now it's in cover design and should be out January, 2020. Okay, perfect. What's the name of the book? It's called Black Balloons and um, subtitle is going to be Pop to Find Freedom. So oh, we're looking it. to basically overcome these really difficult and unexpected circumstances that are handed to us in our life. So like somebody handing you a black balloon when you were expecting the mundane or expecting things to be going well or expecting that acceptance letter <laughs> and instead you're given a rejection letter just anything in life that comes along that's really difficult and has honestly the power to break you or deter you but realizing that you have everything that you need to be able to pop those black balloons and to move forward and find freedom in life I love it. When did you get the inspiration that you felt like this was something that needed to be um, discussed and talked about and you were going to write this book? It is an interesting story. I kind of um, dove into personal development and growth within the last year and a half or so. Again, kind of started a side project with a friend on a network marketing thing that we were doing together. And it was really fun. We had a great time doing it. We learned a lot in the process. Um, I think both of us kind of finally realized that it wasn't the right path, but I think that was my first step into doing something more on, more or less entrepreneurial. So in that, we started kind of listening to podcasts, kind of working towards reading different books and growing in a different way. And all of that became super appealing to me. Um, it also pushed me to dive deeper into my faith and into spirituality and to start really honing in on a greater purpose in life and what that looks like. So kind of throughout all that process, I started reflecting on journals and things that I had kept. And I started keeping a prayer journal during my pregnancy. My son is seven now. So I went back to that and all of a sudden started seeing that there weren't these coincidences in life. There were these really hard things that were showing up. And it's interesting to look back at those pages and really feel your pain again. You can actually feel what you were going through. But then over time, as you work through those pages, you start to see yourself coming out of it and then realizing the pattern to that. And for me, a lot of that has been my faith journey and the struggles that I've had with that, but it's been a catalyst to being able to move towards ultimate freedom. I love it. And you know, I don't journal as much as I should. Um, 
I feel like sometimes the only reminder that I get of things that were going on last year was when Facebook gives me those memories. Um, (laughs) And that's not real life. Um, So, I mean, there's a couple of things in what you said that I think is super important. And number one is like the power of journaling, even though Mm -hmm. I don't do it as much as I should. Like when you see where you were at, number one, it shows you how strong you are because you moved past that and you're not in that place Mm -hmm. anymore. But it just brings back, like, it's it's super empowering to look back at where you were and to be able to see the changes. Because sometimes, like, we live our life every day and we mm-hmm. can't see it if we don't, like, make those those efforts to journal. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's, it's kind of powerful to go back to those moments sometimes and remember Absolutely. what that felt like. And I agree, you don't, you don't always get the same feeling from memories or looking at pictures. It's interesting to read your own writing back. And to really feel the emotion that went into that. And then also, like you're saying, you realize how much you've grown from it. And it kind of gives you a whole different perspective on those difficult things that you were facing. Yeah, 100%. And the other thing that you said that I think is super important is like talking about the idea of the struggles and the things that are handed to you because we don't realize, and I didn't until I started going down this personal development path, how much crap has been unintentionally put in the backpack that you carry around all the time and how much that impacts everything you do. Um, And so many times we're not even aware of it until we kind of open that box, right? So for people who haven't figured this out and haven't found this personal development world and listened to all these podcasts, they can feel so alone when they think about their struggles. Um, And I think it's really, really cool that you're writing a book about how normal that is. Oh, thank you. I, I couldn't agree more because I do think that we tend to feel that we're the only ones that feel that way, especially in our, our world too. Social media plays a big part in that. You see all the best and, and that's a good thing. You know, you want to see the good things that are happening in people's lives, but sometimes it makes us feel like, are we the only ones that are going through something that is just like beyond difficult, like taking life hour by hour um, and the truth is that you're not there. I mean, all of us are struggling. So I think that that vulnerability and putting it out there, that's what really brings us together. It helps us to be able to connect. I think that there's kind of two schools that we can fall into that are both just as dangerous. And I have been in both of them before. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, I think it's human nature, but we get in the like holding on to our struggles because we don't know who we are without them. Like just sitting in kind of that pain. And so many times, like we tell the stories of our struggles normally off of social media when we're talking to somebody and we we're not ready to let that go because we we're afraid of who we'll become if we're not holding on to that. And then the Mm -hmm. other side is the social media side that you talked about where there is no problems and everybody's like perfect. And I love that we can finally like really have these conversations about getting to that middle, about learning from your struggles and knowing that life's not perfect, kind of all in the same package. I love that. I love what you just said and finding that middle ground where it, and I can relate to that sometimes in depression, you do like you get comfortable there. You get comfortable in feeling that sadness and you relate to that. And you're exactly right. Like getting out of that, what does that look like? It can be scary too. So that I can completely relate to. And then also what you're saying too about finding that space in the middle too, realizing that not everything is perfect, but at the same time, there's 
a time and a place to share, but being able to do that and finding the way to do that is so important. Yeah. So your family, um, were they like supportive of your decision to write a book and kind of go down this road? Um, or did you have any like kickback from them that this wasn't a good idea? Um, so family has been supportive and that's hard because I write a lot about my dad and I's relationship and also like to, to any authors out there that could be listening, this is not something that I knew, but anytime you're talking about someone, um, not necessarily in the most positive way, even if they're agreeable to it, you actually have to have a notarized letter from that person saying that it's okay to share this information. So I had to come to my dad and say, this is something I really want to do. Um, I feel strongly in sharing our story and sharing where we're at and the freedom that we have, the fact that he and I do have a relationship now, but I want to be honest about it. And he was actually very supportive. He had no problem in, in signing the letter and moving forward with it. And the same with my mom too, because it involves her as well. And I would have understood if they weren't comfortable with it, but I love that they see the value in putting it out there. So they are on board with it. That's awesome. And that's so much the hardest part because, you know, I had a conversation with somebody the other day about memories. And sometimes when you are remembering something and you're writing something down and like remembering the way that it happened way back when, and then you go talk to somebody else that was there, they don't always remember it the same way. And uh -huh. when you're saying, you know, these are maybe not so great feelings that I have from these struggles in this memory, if they don't see it the same way, it can be super polarizing. And so I think it's really cool that your family was so supportive. Yeah. And that is a good point to make because when you go down this road, it does open the door for that. And you are going to have some really difficult conversations. And I think it was interesting and difficult for them to read the words that I wrote from my perspective of these memories, because it's exactly like you're saying, it's not necessarily the way they remembered it, but it was my perspective as an eight-year-old traveling through it. Um, and it, that can be hard and painful, but I also think that all of us have grown from sharing that together and actually going back to it as an adult and really having these hard conversations. It's been very freeing. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm super excited to read your book. On a more kind of technical level, I'm interested to know, did you self-publish or are you working with a publishing company? I'm self-published. And that was interesting too. And kind of going back to stepping out into something that's outside of your realm. The wonderful thing about the world we live in is that you can find anything you need on the internet. <laughs> so <laughs> if you are curious about how to start your business or how to self-publish, or should I go um, the traditional publishing route? How do I get an agent? You can find that information just about anywhere. You got to look a little bit for it, but it's all out there. So in doing all of my research, I kind of came to the conclusion that going the self-publishing route for my first book and my first venture into a nonfiction space, that this was the right way to go for me. That's awesome. And, it, and um, this is your first book ever, right? It is my first book. I'm published in nurse practitioner journals with articles, um, but that's medical. This is something obviously totally different. Right. Um, and as far as your kind of future plans, do you plan on staying in the healthcare industry or is your goal to get into this entrepreneurial field and speak and 
um, write and do your network marketing? Yeah. So I plan on staying at the job that I'm at. I actually love what I do um, as a cardiology nurse practitioner. It brings me a lot of joy. I love the people that I work with and I'm actually really happy, which was another reason for doing this because I think when, when you are in a state of feeling confident in where you're at, it, it makes it different. Like when you put yourself out there in this way. So I do see myself continuing to write. I have other ideas for other books. I don't see this being the last one. And I think I have the perspective that if it were to head in that direction, I would embrace it more. I won't ever stop practicing um, as a nurse practitioner, but uh, I would love to continue doing this. How hard is that for you? Or it may not be hard at all. Um, so I guess the better way to phrase that is, is it hard for you to look at the future and not like really know? Because for me, you know, I went to law school, I was going to have this legal career and that's the way my life was going to work out. And then when I started realizing there were other options out there and those options interested me, I had like mm -hmm. this huge identity crisis. So have, did you struggle at all with the idea that your future is amazingly unpredictable and being okay with that? Oh my gosh. I struggle with that all the time. I was like having this conversation today with my mom. I was just saying, you know, I'm really excited about all this, but it's getting close. This is going to come out. It's, it's possible that this could open the door to other opportunities. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I would never want to leave my job. And she's like, well, you don't know that. You don't know what the future is going to hold in any of this. And the beauty of it is that you get to be creative and do things differently. But as somebody who's a large control freak, I'm with you. This it's terrifying. Yeah, no, it's just terrifying to not know in anything that we're doing. And I think going back to this conversation about um, staying in one spot, and this is kind of where my passion for obliterating comfort zones comes from, it doesn't matter how bad our situation is, we know it and we're comfortable with it. And, yeah. you know, to get out of that is so scary that like, even if sometimes, and I think this is where the personal development world comes in so handy and these groups that we're in come in so handy yep. is that sometimes it literally takes like somebody grabbing your hand and saying, look, I've been there. I know what, what this world holds. Like, just come with me. Cause I know that I've been dragged kicking and screaming to where I'm at now. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And being in a group and being surrounded by other people that can, continue to motivate you with this is so important because there's so many days where you're like, Oh my gosh, this was not a good idea. Like, what am I doing? Sticking with the norm would have been just fine. I was practically beautifully content there and there was really no reason for this. So you do need people to say like, no, you are doing the right thing. We don't know what this looks like, but keep pushing, keep going because what's on the other side is really amazing. Yeah, and I love that you just were used the word content because we fall in that little content space and we're like, well, everything's okay. Like, why right. do we want to fix it? And then, you know, it, it gets to the point where somebody basically has to look at you and be like, why are you okay with your life just being okay? Like, why, exactly. why do you just want to be content with this when there's so many amazing things? Mm -hmm. And there's so much more. Like, that's what I look at too. Like, who cares about the success of the book? Look what I've gotten to do. I get to have this conversation with you. I would have never met you if I had never put myself out there. Other people in our group and just their input in my life and what they've brought. I mean, that's invaluable. 
So even just the process of trying something different and what you can learn from it is, is 100% worth it. You only get one life. So even though it is scary and you don't know what it's going to look like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it, but sure. There's days where I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And especially, um, I'm, I'm wondering like what that night's going to be like the, the night before it like launches, because I can imagine you're sitting there going, okay, now I wrote this and I launched it, but now people are going to read it. Like, is, can I have a do-over? Can I go back? I, I know. I know. How can I, how can I take this back? And I've thought that like sometimes throughout this process and I'm like, no, I can't take it back. This is already, it's already happening. There's no, like there's investment involved in all of this at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I know that we had a quick conversation a little while back about Brene Brown. Did you ever check out her TED talks? Oh my gosh, everything. And um, I, I've ordered some of her books. I've got my husband reading one of her books right now. So yeah, we're totally on board. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but it reminds me of the conversation that she has in her second TED Talk where she talks about trying to break into TED's studio and steal the tape before they put it on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, no, make it stop. Like, <laughs> Just make it stop. What did I do? Um <laughs> This is why I love having these conversations so much because we all feel the stuff and like I feel it every time I do one of these one of these episodes like if it wasn't for my podcast editor I probably wouldn't have a podcast not because I can't figure out how to edit audio but because I would never post it because I would rip it apart the entire time so we all need that person that we can like do our creative stuff with and then just like send it off and have no control over the fact that it's it's now out in the universe and it's staying out there yep. It's out there and, and that's all there is to it. You sent it. It's done. It's done. Like, welcome to the world of, of um, electronics where it's not the VHS tape that you can take and rip up and it's gone now. No, it lives. It all lives on. <laughs> right. Um, so we talk about authenticity and vulnerability a lot on this podcast. And I think this is probably a good time to jump in and talk about this because I don't think that there is anything more vulnerable than writing a book that is well, writing any book, I was going to say that's not um, fictional, but I think any book where you're putting your words to paper. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about what it's been like for you to actually get from the idea of, I want to write this book to the product of, okay, everything's done. And now we're looking at cover art. It is hard. And you do like, there's those fears of kind of like, you know, well, what are people going to think about this or how am I going to be seen in this way? But you have to push past that. You got to put blinders onto it. And I'm not always good at it. I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't have moments where I'm like, wow, sharing this is, it's a lot. It's a lot of personal information, but I agree with what you're saying too, that like, I want people to know that they're not alone. I want people to I want us to all be able to learn from each other, to grow together. And I think that if it's laid on your heart to share a story or to write or to put a book out there, there's a reason for that. I fully believe that. And even if it's that one person out there that's, that needs to read it, then you did it for that one person. And that was 100% worth it. That's amazing. Who's been in your corner the most as far as the people that you have relied on when you need somebody to remind you that um, this is worth pushing forward and you can't throw in the towel? My parents have been awesome. And again, I think that that's really cool that they have been um, because it shares a lot of personal things about them too. But I, they 
are able to look past that and see the value in it too, which has been amazing. Um, my husband's been there anytime that there's been negative things or things that have kind of started to tear me down, just being like, I, you need to keep going. You've got to keep going. You are not a quitter. This is something that you've committed to and you have to keep pushing. So he's been awesome. And then, you know, you have those like few good friends that are there for you and that you can go to and that are going to be honest with you, not just be like, rah, 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 good for you type stuff. Like, tell me when it sucks. Tell me when I'm doing something that's not in line with my character or that's not in line with the message. So you need those people too. And then, like you've said, being involved in a group of people who are creative and are doing things in the same realm is a huge deal because it creates accountability and you can go to those people and realize that you're not nuts for wanting to do something like this. Dude, I think that's so huge. The idea that you're not nuts for doing this because there's this whole world out there that I didn't know existed. And mm -hmm. I would think that they were all crazy if I hadn't like drank the Kool-Aid at Thrive and understand mm -hmm. that like this stuff can change lives. And, you know, we, we have our perspectives of the world. Like we all see our world the way that we know uh, in relation to what we know. And so we can't see things that we don't understand unless somebody's going to show us. And I think that's what those groups do. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, I would have probably given up numerous times if it weren't for different conversations and people kind of being in the same boat, pushing me along and saying like, like you're saying, like you're not nuts. I think that you need to keep going for this and anything that's laid really heavily on you. I think we need to pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. I also love that you talked about needing people around you to tell you that, you know, stuff sucks because yeah. we live in a world where people want to avoid that so much. We live in a world where everybody's thinking that the way to be a good friend is to constantly like pump everybody up and be positive all the time. And I actually just did an episode a little while back on the dangers of constant delusional positivity um, of just like, not owning your, your shit. I would rather mm -hmm. have my friend say, Hey, like you should probably rewrite that. That's awful. Than have yeah. it in the book and have somebody that I don't know be like, dude, this is not okay. Yeah. And that's true. I have a friend that I know is brutally honest, but also in a, a loving way, like she knows how to give me criticism and she was the first person to read it. And her advice to me was like, I like it. I love the concept, but you need heavy editing. You need heavy editing and don't take offense to that. Just be really smart in who you have edited and don't be afraid to spend the money. And she also said that like the writing, this is going to be the easiest part for you. I hate to break that to you because I know you've worked hard, but this is going to be the easiest part of this process. So buckle up. And she was right. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. So did you end up hiring a professional editor for it? I did. Um, through the self-publisher, you have the option to have one of their editors that's a part of their bigger publishing house edit. And I submitted samples to them and then you can kind of decide, you know, what you want to do. Um, I also did have friends edit who do copyright or, um, you know, teachers, that sort of thing. So I had a very clean version going in, but I really liked the professional one that I got back. And I felt confident in that person. So I ended up moving forward with it. That's awesome. And it, how long, I mean, I know there's the idea process where you're like, okay, I should do this, but I haven't quite put pen to paper yet. How long was mm -hmm. the process from when you finally like kicked your ass in gear and decided to start writing to when you had a finished product from the editor? 
Okay. So the manuscript for me, and it's not a long manuscript, and that was kind of strategic on my part. Um, I wanted to keep it at about 35,000 words because I wanted it to be quick. And the people that um, I did have read it were able to get through it in two to three hours. And I loved that because you can space it out. There are sections where it encourages you to reflect on your own life. But I also wanted it to be something that kept interest and you could get through quickly because in our world today, we don't have, we don't have a ton of time. I don't have time to read super, super long books at this stage in my life. Hopefully someday I'll get back to that. That was important to me. So the writing process, I actually knocked out in two months. Had the outline, and again, when you're pulling from personal experience, or if you're a little bit of an essayist, which I would say that I am, and you think of your chapters as short essays, I was able to pull from all of my journals and all of the things that I essentially already had word vomited and create from that. So when I broke it into these smaller essays, it started to come together pretty quickly those essays morphed into chapters and then there we had a completed 10 chapter manuscript that's awesome um the reason i asked is because at this event that i just got back from unleash you there was a speaker that talked about writing a book and he was talking about like being a, he does these workshops where you write your book from start to finish in three days wow and, okay and it's like but he's like, this is not for the faint of heart. Like it's no, like 12 kidding. hour days of like constant pushing and writing. And part of me thinks that that's not ideal. Um, and part of me thinks it's not possible, but um, I've heard of people saying that they wrote books in hours. Like, and, and I think based upon the conversation that we were having about my newfound creativity that we had before we started recording once you have that idea and you finally like pushed through all your limiting beliefs, I can imagine that the kind of the writing comes. It's just a matter of finding time. It does. Yeah. And then I think you have to, you have to set deadlines for yourself. Like if you're not working with a traditional publisher, that's going to give you deadlines. You have to set them to yourself and they need to be like hard deadlines. So mine was a chapter a week and I was like, if I'm ever going to get this done, I have to knock out a chapter a week. No ifs, ands, or buts. And I would, find all sorts of time. Like I used any downtime I had, I cut out social media and a lot of it was written on my phone. Oh, that's awesome. Did you type it on your phone or did you like talk into your phone and then transcribe it? I did a little bit of both. Sometimes I would use voice and then other times I would type it into my phone. And obviously, you know, punctuation and things like that aren't perfect in that sense, but it's your first draft. So then I would pull it from there and then I would go back through it and edit that way. And then, you know, go into programs like Grammarly and that sort of thing. That's awesome. Did you just do use a word processing to start and then, or did you have like, I know there are programs out there that allow you to like organize your chapters and move them around and stuff like that. But did you just do like a word processing? All done on Microsoft Word, baby. <laughs> That's awesome. I know we're kind of peeling back the curtain for anybody listening that thinks the authors are like on this pedestal of like people that do really hard stuff. Um, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really common. I am now under the impression that literally anyone can write a book. I am proof of that. So. That's awesome. So I want to jump into some of the... Um, content side of this where we talk about kind of the success and the way that that has changed for you. Has your definition of success changed since you graduated from high school and decided that you wanted to pursue nursing to where you are now? And if so, how? Absolutely. It is totally different. I think at this point in my life, I define success as living 
completely unapologetically as who you are. And for me, that is in my faith and in my relationship with Christ and all of that. So that's been a huge shift for me, but that's also been a struggle. And I'm very open about what that has looked like for me. To be honest, my faith and my spirituality is a wrestling match in my head probably every day. Um, but it's become who I am. And I think that my identity comes from who I am in Christ. And that's been a huge shift. So my idea of success is like, are you experiencing joy? Are you who you were meant to be? Are you in a place where you feel happiness? Like, what does that look like? So it's very different. It's not about things anymore or accomplishments. I love it. And so much about what you just said really resonates with me. But the number one thing is like that you have to be willing to get real about who you are. And then when you figure out who you are, accept it. Accept Um, it. Yes. And I think that's the hardest thing because we're all striving to be this like perfect picture of what, what society thinks that we should be. And in Mm -hmm. doing that, we completely alienate everything that makes us special. And taking that back is one of the hardest things to do in life. I I agree. I think a lot of it needs to be unapologetic. And I think it takes time to get there. It takes growth to get there. Um, I think I'm still not completely there. I think that's the beauty of life being a process and growing through all of those things. But just really getting to that place of authenticity, like we've talked about, working to what that looks like for you. Yeah, absolutely. And what's crazy though, is like, once you identify that that's important to you, you'll start to feel, I don't, I don't know if this is true for you as well. I'm sure it is, but you start to feel differently. Like you'll say something and you'll get a gut and like this feeling in your gut. And you're like, you know, that's not really how I feel about that. I should probably change that. That's off. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked a little bit about that, that physical response. You actually do experience that when it's not in line with your true belief in who you are. It doesn't feel right. Absolutely. Um, and obviously your book is like so far out of comfort zones, I can imagine, but what other ways (laughs) have you had to push yourself out of your comfort zone, whether it be in the nursing field or your network marketing or your writing? Well, that's, yeah, that's a lot of different things. I took on a new role, um, in cardiology. It'll be a year next week, actually. And that was huge. I've been in primary care for five years leading up to that, almost six years leading up to that. And I was super comfortable. I was no longer a novice. I really had grown my patient population and I loved what I did. I felt very comfortable in it, but there were also things about the job situation I was in that I knew needed to change. And this opportunity became available. And I think I've only now stopped crapping my pants every day. It's taken (laughs) a year to get there. And then there's days still where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm overwhelmed. Am I making the right decisions? So that was even a step um, out of our comfort zone to even just go to a different job level or make that move. Um, But with, with the entrepreneurial aspect of it, first of all, it's all uncomfortable. (laughs) Like it's so different. So that and then you know you ha- you have to market yourself and anytime you're going to have something you know whether it's a podcast or a business or a book you have to be able to put yourself out there you have to be willing to and that is not something that i jump at the chance to do so just 
putting yourself out there in that way. Social media, ooh, that is hard. It's still hard, but it's a part of this. Without that, you can't market properly. That's the world that we live in. So there's a lot of levels to discomfort, but in the process of doing it, you continue to learn more and more about yourself and grow and it's worth all of it. Oh, absolutely. One of the hardest things for us is to talk about ourselves and market ourselves. When I was first interviewing for jobs here as an attorney in Las Vegas, I wanted to work at the public defender's office. And one of the things that they asked us to do in the interview was pretend that we were our client and that we were in trial and we were a closing argument. And the closing argument is why we should get our job. Because they said, if you can't defend yourself, you can't defend anybody else. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so hard. That's uncomfortable to its max. I feel like. Yeah. I obviously didn't do well because I'm not a public defender, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but you know, now it's a completely different thing back then. Like I was so in my shell and so insecure and we're talking seven years ago of just complete, you know, and utter fear of not being successful because like you, I tied success to these achievements. Like if I don't get this, then I have failed and I'm not successful rather than looking at failing as like learnings instead of, you know, this idea of taking away all of your success. We talk about that too. Like when you, when you do fail, the actual failure is actually just stopping. Like after you fail, pushing through, it's not a failure. That's a learning experience. Absolutely. the whole process is, is worth it. There's pain in the process, but there's purpose in it too. Yeah, 100%. And the hardest thing about it is, you know, trying to find that purpose. Is there a failure that comes to mind for you or a learning that comes to mind for you that has had the biggest impact in what's pushed you to where you are now? So, and I'm very honest about this, but not everyone knows it, but I was rejected from almost every nursing school in the state of Florida. So I couldn't get in. Um, I got rejected over and over again and I got rejected from grad school. So (laughs) had I just accepted that and there were times where I find I was, I was like, okay, this just isn't meant to happen. It's just not meant to happen. But it was that last time that I said, okay, I'm going to one more time. And that was the time I got in. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. That's what happens when we keep pushing. Like if we don't keep pushing, we never know. And we never know how close we are either. It could always be that next time where we're, exactly. where we're successful. It's so true. And I think too, like never underestimate yourself. Even though I've been rejected from everything, I ended up being, you can still end up being the top of your class. You can still be the person that has pub- publications from whatever you're doing. Like you're not limited. Don't let those failures drag you down and limit you. You only are that if you continue to tell yourself that, but you have potential in you that you don't realize that you have. One of the things I wanted to ask you, and I'm going to backtrack just a little bit because I forgot to ask you before, but I think it's super important. Um, So many times people separate their personal life from their professional life, and they think that they um, have to keep the emotions that they're feeling in their personal life out of their professional life. What comes to me for you is the idea that you're working with people in this cardiology area where authenticity and being just real with them is so important. Can you talk about what that's like for you to be with somebody that you're having those hard conversations for and know, or conversations with, and know that you have to kind of bring that authenticity into that conversation? 
Yeah, so I think I'm in a, a unique place and that's what makes nursing so beautiful. And another thing that I really love about it is the connection that we do get to create with our patients. And I think we put weight on that. Not that doctors don't, there's a lot that do, but nursing is like rooted in empathy and in nurturing and in really caring and getting to know the whole person. So that's something that I've always been so drawn to with our profession. And it's something that I love so much about it. And when I am interviewing a patient and going through their history, it's more than that. I love to know more about their life. I ask them, you know, where, how long did it take you to get here? Do you live close? What do you do? Do you have dogs at home? Do you have kids? What's your life like? I want to know those things. And then they feel connected to you as you have those conversations with them and they're more willing to share with you as well. So it's a better experience for them too. I absolutely love it. We've talked about so many amazing things today and your book is going to be fantastic. I can't wait to check it out. What are you excited for on the horizon besides obviously your book coming out? Is there anything that you're working on that you're super excited for? Um, Mainly that and then getting to do podcasts because this is like, these are incredible experiences. You get to sit down with people, get to know them, have conversations that you would never have otherwise. So to be honest, I'm getting a ton out of it. Um, It's not even just about, you know, putting yourself out there. It's what I'm gleaning from getting to do it too. So all of that's been super exciting. And then obviously this weekend, I'm going to get to meet you in person. (laughs) I am so excited for that. So excited for that. So this, and I feel really bad rubbing it into everybody because this episode will launch after this event, but we will be at the most amazing event meeting the most amazing people. So if you're listening to this and you're like, damn, Amber, I wish I would have known before. Um, Number one, I'm sorry. sorry. (laughs) And number two, get your ticket for next year. Yeah. Agree. Um, agree. <laughs> so before we go, um, cause I know that I want to make sure that, you know, you can get on with your day and not spend all day talking to me. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead could, and though. do, I could just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. I um, agree. let's go ahead and do a quick random round. Let everybody get to know you a little bit. Are you okay with that? Sure. Awesome. So other than the like multiple things that you're doing with your life, what other profession do you think it would be fun to attempt? A soul cycle instructor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like I am obsessed with soul cycle. I feel like in another life that would have been what I was doing. <laughs> they are intense, man. Like anybody that thinks that you're just cycling, they are intense. No. No, it's like mind, body, like, let me pump you up and speak all this truth into you while you have an emotional experience on a bike and then go out into the world. It's like, I don't know. It's crazy. Have you seen the movie? I feel pretty with, oh my gosh, what is her name? The comedian. Amy Schumer. It's got Amy Schumer on it. Yeah. Okay. And she, the reason I thought about this is because she has like this complete out of body experience while she's on, like it all starts with a soul cycle place. And she like falls and hits her head. And um, when she hits her head, she loses all of her insecurities. And she thinks that she has gone from being this like overweight and um, completely unapproachable person to being like the sexiest woman on the planet. And nothing yes, has changed. I remember these previews. How did I never, well, I know how I didn't watch this. It's called like two children and a constant mess of not being able to sit down and watch a television well, show and <laughs> a book and a network marketing company and, you know, a job. I mean, it's not like you do nothing with your life. So. Um, However, I do feel like I need to see this. 
<laughs> you do need to see this. It's a pretty amazing movie. So sorry. Um, side note, squirrel moment back to you. Um, <laughs> if you could time travel, where would you go and why? That's a tough question. You know what? I'd probably, I'd go back to the fifties just cause I like that era. I'm drawn to it. Like maybe Paris in the fifties. I don't know. Love it. Love it. Um, if you have a personality trait that has been most helpful in getting you from where you were when you were a kid to where you are now, what has that been? Diligence. Easy answer because this is kind of funny. I was given that character award as a kid all the time and I hated it. I always wanted to be like other things like kind or like joyful, but my teachers would give me diligent and I thought it was awful. But the truth oh. is that it was, it was a good word. That's awesome. When you are consuming books, do you prefer to read them or listen to them? Um, I do a little bit of both. I love to read. I do like the feeling of holding a book in my hand, but I also keep um, eBooks on my phone so that if I have it during my lunch break or a minute of downtime, I'll whip it out. And then I listen on my drive. So I do a little bit of everything, but there's no better feeling than actually holding a book in your hand. That's awesome. I agree with that. So you're in a conversation with somebody, you're talking to them and you can give them one book, only one book to read. What's the suggestion you give them? Um, Love Does by Bob Goff. Ooh, I haven't heard of that one yet. I'm going to have to check it out. It's, That's kind of a selfish um, it, question because I just want to know what to read. So I ask everybody else, but. He's, um, he's a lawyer. I like him. Nice. I mean, I don't know if I will, but I'll read the book anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what song motivates you the most right now? Oh, High Hopes by Panic at the Disco. Nice. I listened to it on my drive home today because I knew we were going to be recording and I needed like, I needed some pump up music. That's awesome. I'm not sure that I'm going to, uh, I, I might feel tired after asking you this question, but can you give us a glimpse into your morning routine? It's quick because I have to be, I'm at my desk by 6.30 every morning. So I know. So I'm up at five. Um, I get downstairs and make a protein waffle. Um, get some tea because I don't drink coffee that early in the morning because it makes me a little crazy. Um, and then on my drive to work, I listen to a podcast. I listen to a sermon, something that's going to get me going. And then day starts with patience at 6.30. So it's kind of a quick routine. And then I have like an after work routine between like three and five o'clock when I get my kids. That's awesome. And if anybody wants to find you or your book, what is the best place for them to do that? Best place to connect is probably Instagram. It's Christy Lee Cronin. I kind of hang out there. I like the engagement on Instagram um, quite a bit. So that's where I like to be. That's awesome. Well, I um, have really enjoyed our conversation. You've been really, you've given some great insights and I can't wait for your book to come out. I think it's going to be fantastic and I'm looking forward to reading it. Thank you so much. I feel so honored to have been on your podcast and have this conversation. It's been great. Oh, uh, the honor is absolutely mine. And I'm super excited for the listeners to get to hear a little bit from you about what you do in your book. Um, I can't wait to connect with you on Friday. It's going to be Same. amazing. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. 
Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. 